Hello, my name is Ray Montgomery. I'd like to welcome you to the Navigating Blindness podcast. And on this special edition, we're chatting with our employment service team today about assistive technology in the workplace. So how's it going today, ES team? Good. Good to be back with you, Ray. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad. Glad. Glad you guys could join us today. We got a great topic. We're going to talk about assistive tech and how that plays a crucial role in individuals who are blind and vision impaired lives, and especially when we're trying to find gainful employment. So before we get started with our topic for today, I want to go around and do a brief introduction, because we do have a special guest, Mr. Jerry Woodard, joining us today. So, Jerry, I'm going to start with you first. Could you tell us what you do here at Bosma, how long you've been at Bosma? Yeah, hey, Ray. So it's uh, Jared Woodard, and I am the Revelation Team Supervisor. I've uh, been at Bosma for just over seven years now, uh, and during that time, I've been an itinerant rehabilitation teacher, an employment specialist, uh, benefits liaison, and uh, orientation mobility specialist, and now the, the Rehabilitation Team Supervisor. So Essentially, mostly what I do is, is work here in our comprehensive program at the Center for Visionary Solutions and also work with clients in the community on orientation mobility if they start uh, at a new school or a new workplace. Sounds good. Next, we have Christy Russell. Hey, good morning. I am Christy, and I get the the privilege to lead this amazing team. Um, I am the manager of our adult and youth employment services programs. So we are specializing in helping people who are blind or have low vision with their pursuit of employment, whether that's trying to get back to work or whether they uh, maybe have some needs on their current job as it relates to their vision loss. It also means we're working with companies um, and really educating about how people who are blind or have low vision can work in your your place of business and and perform and do all the other things that their sighted coworkers can do. It might just look a little bit different. And then from the youth perspective, we are working with students as early as 14 who also are blind or low vision and helping to teach work skills, work readiness skills, self-advocacy skills, um, talk about post-secondary planning of thinking about college. Uh, and we really kind of just stay on a continuing continuum with them until they graduate and make sure they've got a solid plan in place. So all things employment um, <laughs> for those who are blind or low vision. Sounds good. Next we have Natalie Weisenbach. Natalie, how you doing? I'm doing great, Ray. Glad to be back again for another month of great conversation with everybody. Um, I've been here for uh, a little over six years now. And I have always been an employment specialist. I uh, am a certified benefits uh, counselor as well, like Jared was. Uh, and I'm sure Matt will throw that in there when he pops up. We also do our level up coaching. So working with other employment specialists and helping them uh, just kind of figure out those who are getting started in the field, what it is to be an employment specialist and support them as well um, in learning how to best support their clients and needs. Um, so we are just really focused on getting our, our participants back into the workforce 
maybe uh, after after their vision loss or helping them get into the workforce for the first time, uh, making sure that they are prepared, have the skill set, the training that they need, uh, and working with employers to make sure they have the support they need to be able to uh, help with accommodations with their new employee uh, and understanding what it means to hire somebody who has vision loss. Nice. We have Aaron C. How's it going, Aaron? Not too bad, Ray. How are you, man? I'm doing good. Talk about what you do here at Bosma and just how long you've been here real quickly. Yeah, so I've been at Bosma for, oh, it's creeping up on five years, I guess. Uh, and I am the youth employment specialist. So like uh, Christy said, you know, I'm talking to all the kiddos about the next step, uh, potentially job and or college, uh, just making sure all the ducks are in line. So there's not such that gap when you're graduating from school. Uh, and making sure we either are in contact with vocational rehabilitation, uh, disability affairs, if it's, it's a universal route, uh, or just maybe even getting you in Bosman's Rehab Center for uh, some some tailoring of some skills and then getting you in, of course, into the workforce. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much my role here at Bosman. Yes, and finally, we have Mr. Matt Edwards. How's it going, Matt? Good, Ray. Thanks for having us. Uh, ditto everything Christy and Natalie talked about. Um <laughs> been here uh eight years and enjoy seeing people go back to work all right sounds good so today's topic is a good one it's something that uh we know a lot about around here at bottom assistive technology or sometimes we call it adaptive technology and uh one thing that we hear a lot about and i know you guys probably hear this a lot working in the field is uh we can't afford assistive technology uh so talk about that aspect of what assistive technology is and how much does it cost a uh, organization to actually implement assistive technology for someone who is blind or visually impaired? Well, Ray, I'll, I'll start off a little bit with this. Uh, that is a question. That's a statement we get a lot. Uh, you are correct that assistive technology is too expensive. They can't afford it. Um, and I'll let you know the rest of the team dig into some of the, the details with it. But the big overview is, is that most, most clients' assistive technology uh, is well under the $2,000 mark. Um, and I would I would dare venture to say most of it's really even under their, the $500 mark, uh, depending on what, what client needs. Um, I like to tell employers that don't do anything until you have sat down with your new employee and really figured out what it is that they uh, need to have accommodations for. Um, things that are usually pretty simple, right? Uh, we're talking maybe a handheld magnifier. Maybe we're talking about a lamp placed differently on a desk. Maybe we're talking about uh, taking out an overhead fluorescent light bulb. Uh, maybe we're talking about adding um, a bump dot to the time clock, right? It's something that's like a raised sticker. Um, most of the time we find that accommodations are, are pretty easy to meet, uh, pretty quick solutions as well. So, so, um, so Natalie, let me, let me slow down a little bit because you talked about a lot of different devices right now. Let's talk about the big one right now, JAWS. So if I came to a uh, company right now and I needed to use their computer, what type of software, what type of assistive tech will that individual need? What would I need to be successful in my role? 
Well, right. I, you said the big one, right? Jaws. Jaws is our is our biggest program and probably our highest costing uh, accommodation. And right. What is and that's Jaws, for those who don't know. Yep. Jaws is a what we call a screen reader. Um, and it is a program that allows somebody with uh, very little to no vision to be able to use the computer. Um, and it does just that. It does just that. Right. It reads the screen that is. Uh, so whatever's on that screen is going to be read to the individual using it. Um, now, I will also say that it's not just JAWS. And I don't know, Jared, Matt, if you guys want to kind of hop up in here and more of the technicalities with JAWS. Um, but there are other type of screen reader programs as well um, or or uh, programs that uh, there is also Zoom text which is uh, another program that's used to use the computer uh, for individuals. And that is something that uh, allows for much larger magnification, um, changing of contrast, uh, colors on the screen, so that somebody who has a little bit of vision left to be able to see what's on that screen. Um, so that's kind of the big overview. I don't know if you guys wanna kind of jump in, Jared. Yeah. So. Yeah, essentially what you said, Jaws uh, and, and Ray as well, is a, a screen reading program that, that reads stuff that is on the screen. It, it essentially it don't mess with a, a company's code of their database or anything like that. Occasionally, there is a case where something in their system isn't accessible. Uh, for instance, if you go to, if there's a button that says submit or leave or uh, accept or acknowledge. Sometimes those things aren't coded correctly for a screen reader software. And so there does need to be some, some JAWS scripting, which the company that uh, makes the, the JAWS software is, is willing and able to, to do the scripting. And of course, if an employer has concern about confidentiality or uh, sensitivity of any information, then their IT department can discuss that with the, the scripters to, to make their program accessible. Um, but yeah, JAWS the the big one. There's some other ones, some NVDA uh, narrator sometimes, and then also Zoom text with with blowing things up for magnification. But um, JAWS is the big one, and uh, I would just say that you know the employee the employer's IT department can have those discussions with the JAWS scripters from Freedom Scientific to to make sure it's something they're comfortable with uh, before they mess with any code to make it access accessible for someone who has no vision. So is that something like, I know some people are not familiar with JAWS, some people have never heard of JAWS. So if some organization were to uh, hire an individual who was blind and they needed assistance, you know, with the scripting of JAWS or, you know, making their software more accessible, is that something that Bosma does? Um, yeah, we have. Uh... Freedom Scientific kind of has moved away from individual scripters and, and they actually offer in-house services for that. Um, and, and kind of the original question that you had was what's the cost? And, and I guess one thing that I would emphasize is generally if there is an employment specialist working with a client that is being hired, uh, oftentimes vocational rehabilitation is in the mix and they assist with the, the cost of any type of service or software or adaptive technology needs that that someone would have to to pay for that service to take place okay so we talked about the the big one right there which is jaws job access with speech which converts the text on the screen to speech output talk about some of the low-tech devices that could be implemented uh for a person who is blind to be successful uh on the job yeah i mean 
for me, you know, I'm, I'm losing a lot of my vision pretty quickly and I find myself using a lot more bump dots. I think the brand I like best is, uh, like M3. So, uh, not only do I use them in the work, uh, so, uh, I'm not great on the keyboard as most know because I've been cheating and using my vision my whole life. But so I'll put some bump dots on, you know, uh, the keys, uh, the O, um, you know, they're already built in on the J and F, but you know, the W E R, uh, just to keep me grounded when I'm, uh, typing to just help me be more proficient in my own, uh, rights as well as, you know, small, small things like that is going to help it large print keyboards. You know, those are not very expensive. You can, you know, order them on um ls and s you know that's you know 30 bucks you know uh so like when natalie's saying there's there's a lot of you know cheaters i like to call life hacks uh that are going to be less uh way less than that 500 dollars mark so um with the low vision you know you might just need a large print keyboard and you might not even need uh jaws or fusion or you know narrator most computers have a built-in magnifier and narrator if you get a mac then you know that's a built-in voiceover so um you know with today's uh technology push there's there's a lot more things available for you then you know you just got to kind of redo your own research or come to Bosma uh and just ask some questions honestly uh, it's, it's own personal research but yeah bump dots are great uh to help with some of those adaptive technology um magnifiers uh it, and it doesn't have to be like this super high-tech magnifier you know uh is that great absolutely is that going to be beneficial absolutely but you can also just get a, a cheap magnifier and use that and we have some pro bono stuff that we give out and, you know, it doesn't have to be a cost that's going to break the bank by any means. Right. Right. And, and well, I mean, Aaron, go ahead. Sorry, Ray. I was just going to say, Aaron, kind of tag on that a little bit, right. When you're talking about doesn't have to be the, the cream of the crop, right. The best of the best. It I'm going to go back to it's the individual, right. Uh, because the what the top of the line may be it may not be the right magnifier it may not do the best job for an individual uh, they may need something a little more uh, low tech or less lighting or less options right uh, it's really going to go back to that individual and what they need to be successful in that job site that's something very interesting natalie you talked about lighting and i know that a lot of people see the white cane and they think everybody uh, has no vision. So talk about how lighting plays a role in uh, maximizing that person's uh, vision. And so this is probably one of the uh, the easiest ones. And, and it's something that I never really thought about before working here. And something I would say now it's pretty standard for me to say, hey, do you want me to turn off this office light when we're you know, having a meeting? So it's lower lighting in here. Or, hey, do you need the window, the, the shades open? Or, you know, how can I how can I adjust the lighting, you know, for it to be better for you? And and really, I think the big thing is that all people who are quote unquote blind, right, uh, don't aren't aren't lights out is what we would call it, right? They're not total. Um, and so lighting can really help somebody uh, maximize that, what we call usable vision. So it may be that if they have better overhead uh, bright lighting, they can really, really see the computer screen and don't need additional accommodations. They don't need a screen reader. Um, or it may be that they do better in dim lighting. Um, I know we had a client who worked in a cubicle area and uh, there was too much overhead lighting for this particular client. 
Um, and they just kind of put a dome tent over his cubicle so that it was darker in there and he was able to still utilize his computer without, um, you know, having to go to the screen reader at that point. So I think there's a lot of things that lighting can do. Um, you know, for me, I, I don't have um, a visual impairment, but I'm going to say that I am aging gracefully, right? And I find that for myself, lighting makes a big difference. The yeah. color of lighting, right? If, if it's, you know, the the uh, really blue cold lighting versus warm yellow lighting, I, I notice that I see things differently. Um, so those kinds of things can make a difference as well. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's another uh, assessment that we can do with somebody is what lighting is going to work best for you in a work site. So people, oh. so people who are blind are not just wearing shades just to be wearing shades. You know that people who are blind are wearing shades just so they can maximize some of the usable vision that they do have. Right. I mean, there's some really great shades that people are wearing, oh, you know, oh, and yeah. I mean, I, I'm with <laughs> you. If you love them, you love them. But no, you're right, Ray, right? Usually if somebody is wearing uh, some sunglasses in a building, it's because they are maximizing their vision, right? Maybe the lighting yeah. is too bright for them and they really need that, that darker shade. Same thing with the hat. You know, um, I had a client who really couldn't handle the glare from overhead lighting uh, and the best the best uh, accommodation for her was just to have on a ball cap so that it, it cut down some of that glare. Uh, again, that was at no cost to the company. Uh, the accommodation was that, you know, they didn't really allow hats in the building and it was something that she needed. Right. Um, so those, again, zero cost uh, to an organization, just something to, to consider. I, I agree with that. I, I was thinking the same thing about the hat. I was going to add that because I think when we go back to the conversation of on the job site, like why would somebody have this or why would somebody have that? I think um, Natalie touched on all that. And I would add the sunglasses factor um, that sometimes, you know, employers are like, well, why are they wearing sunglasses? It can be perceived as being rude or whatnot, right? And for some individuals, even though they may have no light perception, so like Natalie said, it's they, they can't see anything. It really is complete darkness for them, no vision. Um, some individuals will still choose to wear glasses. And what it is, is it's protection that they, if they were to accidentally run into something or bump into something, you know, you're still protecting your face and your, your eyes. Um, so even without vision, the sunglasses can be just a protective measure. Um, and that was something I learned, you know, when I came to Bosma was I, you always just assume when you see someone with glasses and a cane, they can't see anything. And, and sometimes that's, that's not accurate that they actually are trying to maximize what they are able to see, um, and do what they need to do. But I think just being open to understanding something as simple as a hat or a pair of glasses. Um, we talked a little bit about filters, um, Though those are all obviously relatively inexpensive things, and the individual is going to come with those anyway. You know, this is what they use all the time. Like we joke, they're they're not blind just when they go to work eight to four. I mean, this is, right. this is their life. You know, so the the best question is to ask, what do you use? You know, what is your preference? Um, and then I was going to go back to some other low cost ideas. Uh, 
that is really made a movement, I think, in the AT world, AT meaning assistive technology, um, the use of apps on phones. Um, For the blind low vision community, it has really opened up a lot of room for more opportunity and independence. There are apps that will read your money, like a cash, like a cash reader that you can put a, you know, a bill underneath your phone and it will read back to you what that bill is. Um, You know, so that, that is obviously very helpful. Um, They don't always want to rely on somebody else to look at their money or look in their wallet or their purse to, to pay for something. You know, these are individuals that want independence, just like we do, you know, we, we want to protect our, ourself and our belongings. Um, one of the common ones is seeing AI, which is a really, really popular app, which is, yeah. uh, be my eyes is another one. Um, there's just so much coming out constantly. Um, and Jared may be able to speak to those a little bit more in terms of how he uses them, not only in the center, but even with orientation mobility. And then of course on a job site, but these are all relatively inexpensive things that most likely the individual is already going to have these on their phone. And they can just hold it over and it'll, you know, read to them what the image or text or whatever is on, you know, if it's a piece of paper or a flyer, you know, it, not everything is completely inaccessible if it's in paper anymore, thanks to the development of a lot of these apps. Most people don't think about the smartphone as an assistive technology device, but it, now that you say that this device helps me do a lot of uh navigating a lot of reading on my phone so my smartphone is definitely an assistive technology device what you saying something Aaron? well the be my eyes is great but man i i find myself just facetiming family yeah. and friends and just yeah. be like hey is this navy or black because you know that's right. just that, that's the toughest part <laughs> of my life every day yeah. so um yeah like you said ray it's just crazy that we have so much access to something that we take for granted you know we have you know, a magnifier on your phone. Is it, you know, the top notch? No, but it's, it's pretty good. Eye exam on your phone nowadays. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> glaucoma on your phone right now. Diagnose you in 10 minutes, right? right? Well, I, I, have, I had a client that um, I worked with and his vision was actually pretty good, but it was mostly like color contrast was difficult for him. Um, and his only concern was reading the time clock screen because it was like a light, bright, like a, a brighter green with a dark green font, um, for the print. And he could not distinguish those two colors. And what he utilized was he pulled out his cell phone and we opened up his camera, like he was going to take a picture and he held it over the time card where it showed the buttons and he just used his fingers and zoomed in. And he zoomed in over it and he used his camera there to be almost like a, a magnifier. And then that he was able to see which buttons he needed to push. And then, of course, it became muscle memory. You know, he knew after time, like, oh, I hit this button and this button. Um, but sometimes he said, you know, it'd be wonky and it would give an error. You know, But this was something already built into his phone on all of our cameras. We all zoom in, you know, on things. But yet that's a, a another non-expense item that if someone needs to see something a little bit closer uh you can just turn your you know click your camera use those pinchers and you know zoom in and hover over what it is you're trying to see um but that was that was the only thing we needed to do for him and it worked it worked great just to kind of tag on to that ray i had a company who uh 
they had a very strict policy, right? They could not have your phones cannot be out on the on the work site. Uh, they had a lot of uh, product and materials that they just you couldn't have your phone out. Um, and we talked through that process and they, you know, they agreed, man, this is a great tool to be able to have a phone or an iPad. Um, and what they did was provided the client with a company uh, phone at that point, you know, so they had their own security on it. They were able to put their own, you know, locks on things and, and monitor it. Uh, but that person was able to still have access to those apps and the uh, accessibility features um, through the through the iPhone, uh, which was a really great compromise, right? There wasn't an issue of, oh, it was his personal phone um, because they, they had everything there. Uh, now, what I will say before you as an organization hand somebody a company phone, please make sure that you're not just putting all the apps on there that, that they don't really need, right? Make sure that that's something that's really useful to them, so. Jerry, I want to go back to you because as an uh, O&M instructor as well, the white cane plays a very important role in helping us, you know, navigate and know our surroundings. Again, a lot of people don't think of that as a uh, sense of technology device, but that's one of the best low tech devices out there right now. Talk about some of the uh, apps that are out there for people traveling independently and how important it is to be able to use that white cane. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, the cane, especially for someone who has very low or no vision, uh, is essential to to navigating space safely and comfortably, like on their own. Um, you know, when I, when we talk about low uh, low cost, like adaptive technology, and actually it was Matt's client who he placed at uh, Amazon. Um, I've worked with a couple people at Amazon now, and one thing that's really cool that they do for their warehouse that can be uh difficult to navigate uh because so many things are moving they put some tactile tape down so it's simply just some grippy tape uh to allow individuals without vision to to trail it uh shoreline it using their cane um to be able to feel that change in surface but some of the apps they mentioned also is used for mobility like seeing ai for instance um the ability to to read short text so if you can look at signage on a on a door um, or the side of a building and it'll read it uh, or take a picture of a document and it'll read whatever that print is. Uh, it's not always really conducive for like a work environment. If you're like reading a bunch of legal documents or something, that's where JAWS comes into play most likely. Um, but also the magnifier app they mentioned using the camera of the iPhone. I'll tell you five, 10 years ago, uh, you basically had to have JAWS for a screen reader or you had to have uh, Zoom text to be able to have good magnification or a CCTV or some device that is, is more expensive and difficult to use. Whereas now with uh, especially Apple products, their, their cameras on the iPhones and, and apps like Seeing AI and Magnifier, now you can change the color contrast, um, which you used to only be able to do with CCTVs. So there's a, there's a bunch of low cost apps and even free apps that allow somebody instead of having to, to buy a CCTV or a handheld magnifier, they can use their phone for those things. Um, there are also navigation apps that give you more information to, to keep you oriented uh, as someone who has limited or no vision, such as Good Maps Explore, uh, Good Maps Outdoors, Lazarillo, um, transit apps for, for using public transportation to get to and from work. Uh, there are 
a, a ton of different ones. Aaron mentioned FaceTiming a friend, mentioned that all the time. Another thing that Amazon does, it's kind of uh, similar to Be My Eyes, except it's a paid program, Ira. Uh, Ira has an agreement with Amazon to where they provide the employee with the company phone that has the Ira services if they need help navigating the, the facility to, to learn it. So um, those are some some great low cost. That one you forgot, though. You forgot Blindsquare. And Blindsquare, yeah. You are right. Blindsquare now. We install Blindsquare. Yes, Blindsquare. Yes. I just yeah, used that at the airport. Yeah, Blindsquare comes used... in handy. Yeah, especially at the Indianapolis airport. It's it's phenomenal. And, yeah, uh, and Aaron, I don't know if you know, but they even have Ira at the, the airport for free, too, so... Oh, really? That's awesome. Jared, isn't there a, a cane that's got a GPS in it now? Um, have you used that? I, I Not not a ton. Like the, uh, I haven't messed with like the more high-tech ones because honestly what I found with, with O&M and navigating and stuff is sometimes it can be cumbersome and a little – it depends on the individual, but sometimes like listening to your phone or any type of technology talking to you while you're using the cane is – can be difficult um so kind of like natalie mentioned it's kind of the individual and and that's what I always tell the employers when we go out there when they're asking uh you know natalie said just hand them a phone with all these apps they don't use i i do see that i mean it's out of the good you know goodness of their heart and they have good intentions and things like that but uh to not overwhelm them and to just have a conversation with them just like you would any other employee hey what do you need to be able to do your job uh they mentioned lighting I've had people not just like dim a light in a certain room, but maybe even just change a light bulb that's in their office to make it easier on them and not having to wear a hat and glasses if they don't have to. Yeah, you talked about that cane. I've seen all type of uh, versions of how they're trying to uh, enhance the white cane right now. They're trying to put MP3s and <laughs> digital devices yeah. on the cane and trackers. So, so let's, before I get you guys out of here, how important is it for an individual who is blind to already have those skills far as learning or knowing their assistive technology, how to operate this stuff? That's a great question for Matt. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crucial. Um, you know, we, we work with a variety of people. Uh, you know, the younger folks uh, that maybe went to the school for the blind been, or have, have been visually impaired their entire lives uh, have a huge skill set, you know, by the time they come to us. And, you know, uh, those that, um, you know, are, are new to their vision loss and are, you know, maybe came through the, the our, our rehab training and are, you know, still kind of getting themselves up to speed with, you know, screen readers or, or whatever it is, uh, have quite a learning curve. So, and we have those folks as well. So, uh, you know, I, th I think... I don't know. We've we've seen people uh, get on job sites and and struggle a little bit if they're not completely fluent in maybe a screen reader or whatever kind of assistive technology device they need. So I mean that's part of our jobs to to kind of assess that in the beginning and help match them up with a job that uh, is not going to overwhelm them. You know, I mean if you're uh, starting a new job and you have a computer system to learn, but you're just at the beginning stages still of learning a screen reader, that can be a, a, a real headache, you know, if you're if you're trying to to learn a system and also, uh, you know, learn, learn your assistive technology. So 
Um, but you know, again, that's, that's our job and, and that any situation is fine. You know, it's, it's our job to help match that person up with a job, uh, that matches their skill level and, and everything like that. But I, I just, I hate to see people struggle and get a great job, but they're just not quite up to speed, uh, with their, uh, computer or whatever it is, uh, even navigation. I mean, it, it's a huge, um, it's a huge selling point when somebody can walk into an interview and uh, maybe they have no sight at all and, and, and they're, they don't need a sighted guide. They can, they're good with their cane uh, you know, whatever it is uh, just showing that independence. So anybody that's has come through our training and everything like that, it's so, so crucial to, to keep practicing every day on no matter what, you know, you've learned at the rehab center or whatever you whatever avenue, uh, you, you got to practice every single day, uh, if you want to be ready for, for the, uh, the real world here. I agree. I would add to is you've got to be realistic with the type of work you're wanting to do. Um, if you are returning to a job where it was a heavy computer job, um, where 90% of your time was spent doing something on a computer, um, and now with your vision loss, you you, you have to be retrained. I, I mean, you're not going to just walk onto a job and get a job because you had 20 years experience before if you can't navigate the most basic parts of your computer, you know, getting logged in, getting to your email, um, attaching documents, like the everyday basics of any kind of position that's going to involve a computer. And I think sometimes our individuals, and, and rightfully so, they are stuck in that in-between of my skills and abilities before my vision loss. I still have that knowledge. I'm still experienced. Like I still have all of that, but now it's the physical part of being able to, to do those tasks without your vision or with your vision changed and having to use a device or an app to help you accomplish something that in the past you didn't have to think twice about. I think, you know, for a lot of our individuals we see, there's there's usually a breakdown in the realisticness of their skill set and what it's going to take to be hired. I think sometimes they just say, well, but I've been in this field this many years and, and that's great. But right now, can you pull up Excel and do the report you had to do in your last position. Most of the time that answers could be, well, no, or, well, it might take me a little longer. You know, you can't go to an employer and say, well, we're just going to need you to, you know, adjust those time frames for them because they're still trying to figure this out. You know, employer says, no, like I'm hiring you and these are my expectations. I need you to meet them if I, yeah. if I offer you this position. So I think it's really important to anyone that's listening that is visually impaired and trying to go back to work or trying to figure out what that is, is you've got to be realistic and, and it's okay to say, yeah, I'm just not as strong where I need to be yet. And this is what would be helpful to me. Um, there's no shame in saying that there's no shame in saying I need more training. Um, you know, it's not a pride thing because the thing is, is you're going to get frustrated later when you're not getting those jobs because the basics have to be there to be successful. What about Braille? I mean, I know Braille is very important, and that's one of the uh, low-tech devices a lot of us don't think about as well. How important is it just to know just the basic Braille just for your own independence? 
Um, so I love this because I know we try to start with a myth, right? And so here's another myth embedded in our myth today is every blind person reads Braille. <laughs> um, that is not accurate. Um, also, so a lot of our employers just assume that if they hire someone, they need to buy a Braille printer. They need to start brailing all the thing. And we're like, well, your employee may not even read more than basic Braille. So from an employer standpoint is, again, get to know what your current person actually uses. Like, don't go out and start buying stuff that will may never, ever get used. Um, but I, I would say, and I'll let the team, t- you know, obviously chime in, but I think being able to do basic identifiers, you know, restrooms, cafeteria, break room, you know, you, you need to have basics down. Um, I, I think at, at a very basic level, but I also agree that depending upon the age of someone and when they lose their vision and how they lost their vision. So maybe they have neuropathy in their fingers and makes it hard for them to learn Braille. I mean, there's just there's a lot of, of things to it. Some people just don't pick it up very quickly. It's hard to learn. I mean, it's, it's learning another language essentially. Um, and then you have others that it just clicks. And next thing you know, they're reading grade two and four and going, keeping going, you know, and, and transitioning to a hundred percent Braille. But I would say it's very important that you're able to do basics, you know, the alphabet basic stuff to just for identification of things when you're out and about. Anyone else have anything to add to that? I'd say I've had a couple of jobs uh, with folks that if they didn't know Braille, the job wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to be doable. Uh, I had two guys that had to read uh, scripts over the phone. And in one scenario, the, the, you know, his society coworkers were reading the script off a of paper and we were able to just braille that entire script and he was able to, to do the job that way. Uh, another guy uh, had a, a script on the computer screen uh, and because he knew braille so well, he used a braille display, which is another assistive uh, device uh, that will uh, braille out things that are on the computer. Uh, so, you know, he's able to make the job work that way because he knew Braille. And I've also had two people in restaurants that uh, one was a restaurant manager and we uh, Braille labeled all the drinks, stuff behind the bar. Uh, we Braille labeled this restaurant, up, you know, and, and uh, because of that, I mean, he was able to serve customers and, and do his thing that way. So, Came in handy for you. Sounds good. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, everyone, for giving us all that great knowledge and giving us this great information about assistive technology. And hopefully everyone came away with more awareness about what assistive technology is and the many uh, devices that are out there for people who are blind or vision impaired to be successful. So, Christy, how can they get in contact with the center if they want to, you know, get some more training, uh, get in contact with our employment service team? Absolutely. So uh, first, first things first, we have an amazing website. So I would direct you to our website, which is www.bosma.org backslash center, where you can see all the various programs we offer here at the Center for Visionary Solutions. And if you have questions about employment or our program, or just not sure where to get started, please feel free to email me or call me directly. My direct line is 317 704 
8250. And my email is Christy R at Bosma.org. And that's K R I S T Y R at B O S M A dot O R G. Sounds good. Sounds good. Wonderful podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, and SoundCloud. And make sure you're following Bosma on all of our social media channels. And we'll talk to you guys next month. Sounds Thanks, good. Ray. Thank you.